Hey, welcome to 5050 Films, a casual movie review podcast. We're Peter and Autumn, a husband and wife on a quest to watch at least 100 movies together every year. Um, a challenge we successfully completed for the first time back in 2021. In 2022, we are launching this podcast to record our thoughts on every movie we watched during this year. Each weekly episode will feature two films, whatever I picked for us to watch the past Wednesday and whatever Peter chose for us to watch the past Saturday. We're going to rate these movies on a scale from outstanding to boring and talk about what we liked, what we didn't like, and hopefully everything in between. So without further ado, let's start the first episode. Okay, so this episode's going to be a little different than the ones we just described in the intro because it is February right now when we're starting this, and we did watch 10 movies in January. So this first episode is going to be our January recap. We'll talk about the movies we watched, what we rated them, and then from there we'll be able to move on to our two movie and episode schedule. So, you ready to recap? Yeah, sure. Let's get going. Okay, so we're going to start with Spider-Man No Way Home, which we watched in the theater a little bit later than everyone else did. Not that much later. It was only January 2nd, I think. It was exactly January 2nd, but it felt later because everyone knew everything about it. Um, And we both rated it outstanding, of course. I feel like anyone who knows anything about Marvel and watched that movie would not have rated it anything less. It was very good. So, yeah. So what are your initial thoughts on um, I'm really happy with what they did. I feel like at this point we're uh, far enough away from uh, it coming out that minor spoilers are fine. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it was very good. I really liked what they did with uh, bringing in some of the older characters, um, both Spider-Mans and, uh, and villains-wise. And the, the picks were very, very solid from that perspective. Um, I did like how they hinted at uh, Scorpion and Rhino also trying to break in through that weird multiverse barrier. Um, I would have loved to have seen them on the big screen because I think the last time I've seen them was probably in the game that came out. But no, it was very good. Who is your favorite villain? Like in the movies or Mm -hmm. like in Spider-Man in general? Uh, Both. (laughs) I don't know. I... I really like, um, I love how absurd Sandman is. Like, he's just great. Although, Otto Octavius is so good. Like, like you know, Alfred Molina really knocks it out of the park with his portrayal of that, their portrayal of that character. Um, but I would say that, yeah, I, I really enjoy Sandman for, like, the fact that he's literally just a massive sand person. Um, and in the books, or in the comic books, there's also, like, Hydro Man, who's, like, water person and become a mud creature at one point in the comics but um yeah no i don't know the comics are a little more complicated because they have other characters that we didn't really get into in the movie um and there are there's some of them are in the games but yeah i, I have to say that uh, i like hammerhead as this a mobster with like this indestructible skull kind of thing going on it's really cool Sandman was really interesting in this movie to me as someone who has never read the comics which it's fun when we watch Marvel movies together because you have that background and I don't. So you kind of like get both experiences, but he was a very interesting villain in that he like, didn't seem that villainous. No, he's, I'm pretty sure he's just an ex con who fell into a particle accelerator. Like even in the, like the Spider-Man three, I think the third Sam Raimi where he shows up for the first time. Um, He's not supposed to be like a, like a really hateable character. And really a lot of Spider-Man villains aren't hateable characters or who I've had, 
misfortune happened to them or they've been like betrayed in some way. And if you get into the comics, there's characters like Carnage and characters like uh, the Brood, which are like totally irredeemable. But you know, a lot of the guys that are, or a lot of the villains that are just a dude who had something happen to them, there's usually some sort of like um, play to like pathos in trying to like make you think, oh, well, this is unfortunate. And they really laid into that end of the movie with them trying to heal everybody before they send it back to their respective yeah, timelines. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite parts was just the incorporation of Doctor Strange, who, as the movies go on, I just, he becomes more and more my favorite, I think. And I'm really excited for Multiverse of Madness after this little introduction. This was such a great glimpse into what the multiverse is and such a fun glimpse. Um, I have not even seen, I saw the first. Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man, we watched that last year, but I have not seen the others. I've not seen any of the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man, and it's still, it's still hit for me. So I think if anyone's like hesitant for that reason, they should still, they can still enjoy it. They should still go see it. Okay, yeah. let's move on to the next one. Yeah, so as we said before, this is a little bit of a different episode since we're going through this sort of whirlwind of about 10 different movies instead of spending a decent amount of time on two separate movies. Um, but, I mean, honestly, that's pretty much what it's going to be after this, right? It's going to be yep. two more movies each week and a little more in-depth. So we're probably going to spend about five to well, hopefully no more than 10 minutes on each of these movies here <laughs> just, just to keep the time uh, lower. Um, and additionally, um, this is sort of our first time recording anything and we have a, you know, a relatively inexpensive mic. So any quality issues might get addressed later on. They might not, who knows, but we're working on it. So, you know, thanks for your patience. And the next one we picked, uh, which Autumn actually picked out was in the Heights. We both rated this one to be entertaining, which is number three on our six rating scale maybe we should explain the rating scale real yeah quick. we should probably go over that <laughs> yeah. we rate our movies by six different categories and we just implemented this this year um the best is outstanding then you move down to memorable then entertaining then bad but good and if you don't understand that concept we do have a movie that will come up later that's an example of that uh, and then boring and then awful. So In the Heights was entertaining for both of us. I was excited to watch this one because of Lin-Manuel Miranda, um, whose work I have really enjoyed in the past. And I did really enjoy the story. We also have a shared favorite actress who we did not know was in the movie. So that was very exciting. We've been watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Stephanie Beatrice is Carla in In the Heights. I think my favorite part of In the Heights was the music. And I still think about the main song specifically a lot. Like mm -hmm. In the Heights song, you know what I'm yeah, talking I don't about? know the actual words to it, but I can I get the... I, the, I just remember the yeah. In the Heights. <laughs> what do you remember about In the Heights? That song. I mean, without the words, but just like the beat. Um you predicted the uh, the yeah. ending pretty early on. <laughs> yeah, I, don't spoil it. I figured that one out pretty quick. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't. It's not super, like you know, they're not trying to. He's not going for a sort of surprise twist or some sort of gotcha or anything like that. I guess it is supposed to be a little bit of a surprise, but it's you know it's telegraphed a little bit during the movie, and I thought it was very good. Um, 
Lumen Miranda is pretty solid, especially in his like the way he works exposition into the uh, the songs. Because mm-hmm. you know, as a musical, there's far less talking than you know you sometimes I would want personally. <laughs> but the way he does his dialogue, it feels like that they're actually still having conversations, even though they're both yeah. singing. Yeah, because which is sometimes really nice. they they are speaking. Yeah, just exactly. like over the music. I think one of the other best parts is just the setting. Um, Washington Heights is a great setting, and you get to go all over the neighborhood in this movie. So that's really fun, too. Uh, We had a good time with that one. Let's move on to the next one. The next movie we watched was Meet the Parents. We both rated this one entertaining. Uh, You want to give a little introduction into what this movie is all about? Well, um, Meet the Parents is the first in the... I don't know, the Greg Flocker trilogy. I don't know if it actually has an <laughs> official trilogy. or an unofficial name for the, <laughs> the trilogy. But um, it's a, it's one of those classic comedies. Uh, when we got to my movie night, I asked Autumn if she'd seen it. After we kind of flipped through our streaming services, and she said she hadn't. And I figured that this was as good a time of any. Um, and we watched it. It has some of those classic lines, um, like the uh, I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk me? Um, that De Niro delivers over the dinner table. I guess I should probably preface that or you know, at least explain the movie a little bit. Um, the movie is um, Greg Fokker, uh, played by Ben Stiller. Uh, he's planning on asking his girlfriend to marry him, make her, make her his fiance. Uh, and he finds out right before he's about to propose, in a very cute manner, honestly, um, that uh, she, or at least her father, um, is one of those more controlling parents, and he's very much, um, very much needs to get, needs to give permission to the, uh, to his daughter's, um, boyfriends before they become part of the family. And he hasn't even met her parents yet. No, he has not met them at all. He has heard about her siblings, I think, from her, and a little bit about her family, um, but when they show up, I believe it's in upstate New York, um, or no, yeah, it's upstate New York, but they're from Chicago, I think. Greg lives in Chicago. Um, he finds out that uh, not only is her father like a crazy control freak, but he's also ex-CIA, which is something that she did not mention to him at all during their, you know, their whole dating life for multiple reasons, one of them being secrecy, I believe. Um, and uh, it's hilarious. There's a lot of really classic lines. Um, and it's just, it's a really fun movie. It's not super like high intensity with any, any of it really, even, even the laughs are like a little more slow, um, like slow burn sort of situations, but it's a really good movie. I feel like meet the parents is a great example of like our movie comfort zone. Almost like before we started this project, the whole idea of this project was that we would be able to pick movies that we wanted to watch and the other person could not veto because we would each get a pick um in that week and that would allow us to kind of expand what we were watching because we did usually fall into this kind of like comedy actors we know sort of bubble but it still is really nice to watch these every once in a while it's just like almost a comforting sort of movie when you like had a rough day you know like watch something like meet the parents it's just like a nice a nice comfort movie i feel like um 
So yeah, I not my favorite movie we watched, but I did really like it too. Yeah, and there's two more. So if we if we ever decide we want to watch the rest of them, we can still watch uh, Meet the Fockers and then Little Fockers yeah. is the conclusion of the trilogy. We can continue on the on the Greg Fokker trilogy. The, the Greg Fokker trilogy will continue at some point this year, probably. <laughs> so the next movie we watched was a bit of a wild ride. We both rated it entertaining, and it was Good on Paper, which is the Eliza Schlesinger. Yeah, Elijah Schlesinger. Uh, Comedy on Netflix that we watched. Yeah, and you know, that movie's good on paper, but I don't know if the plot ended up holding up on You rated uh, it a good rating. Um, Okay. (laughs) Entertaining goes from, from, yeah, that was pretty good, to, eh, it was a movie, but it wasn't boring. I mean, and that's, to be fair, you know, we can't rate it on any of our bad scales because it wasn't an awful movie. It was, it was all right, and... It certainly wasn't a boring movie because both of us were staring at the screen the entire time. It was like watching a train wreck unfold in slow motion. And I think that was what was intended by the movie, honestly. Um, because, I mean, you picked it so you can kind of explain the, uh, yeah, the story here. So Eliza's playing a woman named Andrea, who is also a stand-up comic. And she meets a guy on the plane. Um, and he says he works in finance. And he's kind of a nerd. And so they start hanging out. But she doesn't want to date him because even though it looks like he would be perfect for her, like he's just not her type. But then eventually they do end up in a relationship and then she just learns some things about him that kind of change her opinion on their friendship and their relationship. Um, So it does just take you for the first half. You think you're watching like a standard romantic comedy. You think, you know where this is going to go. And then in the last half, you're watching a whole different movie. Would you agree with that? Yeah, almost like a light horror movie. (laughs) (laughs) Certain parts. I mean, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> well, like, there's this whole dawning realization that she's been dating someone who's lying about literally everything that he's ever said to her. And it's, you know, another movie could have taken it to a much creepier place. Because there is a tied up in the, in the what, basement, garage? Oh, he's tied up in the garage. It's not right. her. Which, right, but If that's it was still... role reversed, it would be, like, horrifying. <laughs> and it's some kind of, like, you know, oh, man, that, the rating would have been much, much, uh, well, Much more violent. I liked it, and I think we need to define what entertaining means we, for us. We probably <laughs> should, because I don't know. I don't think we're rating things the same when we think we are. <laughs> Possibly. We may, we have to revisit this in a later episode. So the next movie that we watched in the month of January was That's My Boy um, from 2012. We both rated this movie bad but good. I'm sure most of you have heard of a movie that is bad but good. Sometimes that is a very personal definition. Um, some people, a lot of cult classics, uh, stuff like Hell Comes to Frogtown or The Room, um, all these movies are considered um, you know, excellent by the people who really like them, but most people would really you know, sort of cringe at watching them. And... I have not heard of either of those movies. You never heard of The Room? No. <laughs> we can talk about that later. The, like the whole... Um, Oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> that whole movie? You don't know that one? Uh, no, we, oh, we may have to watch that later. this year. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, we watched That's My Boy, um, which is the joint sort of Adam Sandler slash Andy Samberg movie. Um, this was the two biggest actors that are in it. Vanilla Ice also, um, you know, makes quite a few appearances as well. Yes, and the um, girl who plays Blair in Gossip Girl as well. 
I've never seen Gossip Girl, so it doesn't mean anything to me, but I, it's she cool plays, that you remember that. She plays that. Jamie, Andy Samberg's uh, Oh, his fiance. Anyway. Um, we watched this with friends. We did. My buddies were over, and we were all drinking. And, you know, they when you're... It. When you're drinking, you're not really looking for a, you know, a heavy thinker movie. If you're going to watch a movie after that, you're kind of looking for something goofy that you could probably play a drinking game for, which we did. Um, there's a lot of stuff that happens in that movie repeatedly that you can make an easy drinking game out of, which is kind of kind of crazy. Especially the the was up. Yeah, what's up? <laughs> yeah, uh, and then knocking somebody out with a bottle happened yeah. far more times than you'd expect. It's more than one. And more than two. Um, yeah, I mean, that's my boy is the story of Donnie Berger, uh, played by Adam Sandler as this kid in high school who um, has a sexual relationship with one of his, with his like math teacher who is um, very attractive in the, uh, in the movie. And instead, and so the trial, when the trial is televised, Donnie Berger is looked on as a hero for uh, being the one kid who got to sleep with the hot math teacher um, and, uh, he sort of rides that fame for most of his life. And you see him again, uh, no longer a child actor now played as Adam Sandler, who is just a washed up drunk slash addict who you've missed a very important point. What? He gets her pregnant. Oh yeah. He gets her pregnant. <laughs> and so washed up addict, um, who then finds out, uh, via a newspaper ad that his son, uh, Han Solo Berger, <laughs> um, his uh is now he's getting married and um it's gonna be in this very fa- fancy part of I think probably also New York I can't really remember it could be it doesn't really matter it could be LA even who knows um so he goes to see his son before his son gets married and and then a bunch of hijinks ensue and it's 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 it's, it's pretty entertaining honestly I. I'm not the biggest fan of Adam Sandler, like not everything he's done. I think he's done a lot of really funny movies. And um, I actually do like this as one of his like better, like raunchy, goofy comedies. I think it's it's very entertaining and it, it gives you a lot of, you get a lot of good laughs out of it. I do have to say, I don't think I would have paired him up with Andy Samberg, but it totally works. Yeah. It, it worked really well. Andy Samberg as the straight man is not really something you so would strange. expect. But it was very funny. <laughs> As I mentioned, we're watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine currently. Yeah. So to see this complete opposite of Jake Peralta, at least until the end of the movie when he, yeah. when he becomes Han Solo again and, you know, joins the family. <laughs> <laughs> Rejoins the family, yeah. But yeah, it was a very different Andy Samberg role than what we've been watching. So I think this is this is a very good example of what bad but good means. Yeah. You're you're happy to be watching it, but you also know that it's not a great movie. Yeah, and this, like some of the other movies we watched, is one that I had previously seen. I think the ones so far the movies we've talked about before, obviously No Way Home was a new one for both of us, and so it was in the Heights because they're both relatively new movies. Meet the Parents is something I've already seen that I wanted Autumn to see. Um, Good on Paper was a new one for both. Um, and that's my boy. I actually saw back when I was in high school um, – I think I was still in high school when it came out. Either way, it was either yeah, in the theater with friends or it was with friends in my buddy's like bedroom or something. We also watched like movies on his like his like nice flat screen TV. But yeah, it was it was kind of fun going back to about ten years, you know, away from it, just to, like see how how it was. 
Then I had a viewing experience that was long overdue. Um, I finally started watching Star Wars, which was very exciting. We watched A New Hope, The Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi all in a row. Um, Peter rated them all outstanding. Mm-hmm. And I rated A New Hope as memorable, The Empire Strikes Back as outstanding, and Return of the Jedi as memorable. Which, if you remember, memorable is our second highest, so... I really like them. I have to say, there were there were a couple reasons why I expected to not like Star Wars. Um, there are actually two main reasons. So the first was that I just don't like outer space unless Chris Pratt is in it. I do not care <laughs> about any sci-fi movies that don't include Chris Pratt. Uh so I So she's talking about she's seen passengers and she's seen the Guardians of the Galaxy films basically. He just makes space interesting for me. Passengers is the name of that movie, right? The one with uh, yeah. him and uh, Jennifer. Yeah. 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 Um, but anyway, so that put me off a little bit. I'm not a huge sci-fi fan. And I felt like I was already going to know what the movies were all about. Because mm. I know, like Luke, I am your father, and how Yoda speaks and <laughs> that Leia is his sister and all these big things have become such staples of just like popular culture knowledge that I didn't think I would get anything out of these movies, but I was definitely wrong. I will say that. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like thinking that you, you don't need to watch Harry Potter because you know that Snape kills Dumbledore, but like you're a huge Harry Potter fan, or at least, you know, you like the books a lot when we were kids and still do. And like, you know, that's something that, is in the pop culture lexicon of one of those massive franchise ruining spoilers that, but it doesn't really affect at least the earlier books at all. And you get a lot of, you know, like you can, you could know that and then still get good stuff out of the books. It would right, be a little I, different, I guess, because you'd be looking at Snape as some kind of horrible murderer until you get all his like <laughs> full characterization. But right. But I don't understand that experience because I've always known Harry Potter. So. Yeah. So I don't know what it's like to like come in after. That is true. But I will say it was well worth it. So if anyone else is putting it off, I highly recommend it. And you said when we were watching the first one that it's more of a Western that happens to be set in outer space. And I feel like that was such a fair statement. Yeah. I didn't feel, even though there were the ships and, you know, all the different planets, it didn't feel like an outer space movie so part of the reason for that is because of how the star wars universe is set up you know like i told you it's more of a space spaghetti western and that's why the mandalorian show is so good because you get a lot of those western vibes from it um like he's just the lone ranger he's got his like swoop bike his long rifle and his pistol and all that stuff but star wars has always been like that it's not it's not like a new development um because when you, I, I read a lot of Star Wars books as a kid. I was a really big fan of the extended universe, all the stuff that Disney got rid of that I was a little upset about. But when you read those books, unless you're reading the super specific, like these guys are the, the dudes who only do space battles books, like the Rogue Squadron books, most of it is based around just the people having interactions with whatever. Like, they're on a planet doing something. 
Um, whereas a lot of sci-fi I've, I've read and I've been reading and I know the stuff that you're not a big fan of, like I'm reading The Expanse, which is an excellent series, but they deal a lot with the intricacies of being in space. Gravity is a huge thing. People take too many Gs of force and they can stroke out. Um, there's a lot of like, you know, you vacuum in the ships sort of thing. That's really never a thing in Star Wars. If your ship takes a lot of damage, it explodes generally. So you're not worrying. And I like that. That's all I want to know. Exactly. And <laughs> so like, you're not, she doesn't have to, you don't have to worry about any of the sci-fi aspects, any of the like science aspects of it really. Like they're going to make up stuff like the hydrospanner and the, you know, you know, uh, check those power converters. He's talking to him in, in the, on Tatooine in the first thing, in the first movie. But um, it you, you it's so much like a Western that it you can almost just like you, you you just enjoy it for what it is for the story it is instead of thinking about oh well if what if the oxygen vents out of the Falcon like that doesn't happen that like, never happens actually I think even in the books um, somebody only got. I've only read, I read one instance in one of the books where someone's X-Wing, like, cockpit was breached and, like, the vacuum of space became a problem. Because Star Wars kind of ignores the vacuum of space because of all the shielding and stuff like that. So you'll see, like, you know, the, the Falcon just flies right into the Death Star and there's dudes walking around inside the hangar bay as it comes in because there's the, like, the ray shielding that keeps in the oxygen or whatever it is. It's, it's goofy, it's super technical, and I don't even remember it entirely fully because it's been years since I've read any of those books. But you just really don't have to focus on any of that stuff. Yeah, it's a really character-driven story. Yes. Which that is what makes a movie or a book or any sort of media a success for me, is that I need to be able to like care about what happens to the characters. I don't need to necessarily relate to them, I don't need to like them, but I just need to be invested and star wars gives you such a great cast of people to follow and i know like there are some this is probably controversial but wasn't a huge fan of han solo but i was still invested in like what he was doing han solo was very like early tony stark for me that's that's how he felt i don't yeah, know if you agree with that didn't like him because he's kind of an asshole but yeah, like, yeah that's his whole charm he's the He's the, the rakish smuggler, you know? Yeah, and it did it for Leia, but it didn't do it for me. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, which character w would you say that you relate to the most? Out relate of this first to? Two? Yes, because... Oh, God, I, I don't know. As I as I told Peter while we were watching multiple times, I relate to C-3PO, like, maybe oh. a little bit too much. It was actually <laughs> kind of scary. <laughs> yeah, um... Like, if, if I wanted to know what I would be doing in these instances, like, I just had to watch what C-3PO was doing. I don't know if I liked that. I don't know. I think... I don't, I don't know if I can really relate to any of the characters in the original trilogy, because I'm personally not one of those, like... I'm not a rakish smuggler type, you know, I'm not Han Solo. I was, was going to laugh if you said Han Solo and I just said it didn't do it for me. No, I mean, like, and I'm, I, I guess Luke, and then Luke has, is too much of an idealistic, like, golden boy type. Golden boy. I mean, like, he's, you know, he, he has this, like, Han Solo says it best in the, in, like, episode six where he's like, I'm gone for a little while and everyone starts to have delusions of grandeur. And because Luke's now a Jedi Knight and it's only been like, you know, a year or so or whatever. And I just, I don't like, I'm not that big into that sort of stuff. And you know, maybe, you know, maybe Lando, honestly, 
Thus, yeah. Just a little bit. Like I was I gonna don't... say maybe that a uh, pilot that you like. Oh, Wedge? Wedge? Yeah. I mean, like, he's not okay. My favorite character is Wedge Antilles. Because he is in every single one of the movies. He is a good pilot in every single one of the movies. He doesn't die. Like he like most Sorry about that. We were cut off. I was expounding about Wedge Antilles and our uh, <laughs> we've we're going to explore a different recording software for the next time we do this. But um, anyway, yeah, uh, Wedge Antilles, he doesn't die like most of the other fighter pilots do in uh, in Star Wars. Um, and I really mostly like him because because he survives all three of those um, in the extended universe. There's a whole series of books that revolve around him and his crew of X-Wing pilots um, called Rogue Squadron, which I've already mentioned. And it's, it's one of my favorite, like you know, tie-in series I've ever read. And I've, I wish so hard that they will put out a Rogue Squadron, like, show. That would be a cool I, show. I mean, there was a little bit of, like, a, a Rogue Squadron-style game. And there were a couple of older games that were Rogue Squadron games. But they just, it's just not, it's not enough. I want, I want like, an actual show with Wedge and the, the guys in his crew um, going out and fighting all these different Imperial, like, fa- sub-factions, which was really interesting from those particularly um it just stands out one one thing where if you remember in empire there's those atat walkers right the big yep quad yep. walkers um that destroy most of the facilities on hoth and they're like trying to attack them with their little like snow speeders and it's not working because the snow speeders are too weak to destroy to like damage the shielding and the walkers um and in the books uh <laughs> they they Wedge and his crew of X-Wing pilots, because X-Wings can fly in atmosphere, um, they <laughs> they run across some AT-ATs defending some weird fringe Imperial facility, and it's just like a whap-whap, and it destroys the entire AT-AT, because the, the S-foil uh, laser cannons on the on the X-Wing are just, like, wild, wildly powerful compared to a lot of the other, like, blaster weapons attached to different uh, speeders, and... Uh, you know different fighters it, it was very good but I, I think yeah lando probably is my most um when i relate to the most because he's just kind of like he's doing what he can you know <laughs> he's just he's he, he's helpful you know and at the beginning like you're kind of like i don't know if i like this guy you were like i don't know if i like this yeah, guy exactly um but it's just like i mean he's being forced into a bad situation but he's just like you know he's, he's doing his best he's, he's keeping going <laughs> And he's like, you know, he's, he's, he's keeping it real. And I, 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 uh, I, I, I identify with that a little bit. Just, just do your best and, and, and be helpful. Yeah. <laughs> Try hard. I like that. Yeah. I also feel like it's important to mention that um, our dog looks like an Ewok. She does. And so that, that makes the Ewoks very, very endearing to me just because I love her. So I love them. She's also <laughs> a little bit um, fierce. A fierce fighter, like an Ewok. Blue so. <laughs> But yeah, so we had a lot of fun watching these movies. I did especially because I hadn't seen them before and I knew it was time. So you will be hearing about the pre- prequels soon, I think. Yeah, maybe uh, we'll watch one this tomorrow or tonight. Who knows? <laughs> and then we watched Encanto, which I loved. And I cannot stop singing the songs. And because of that, Peter cannot stop singing the songs because they're always right in front of him. I rated this movie outstanding. Peter rated it memorable. This was a super exciting experience for me because I have not fallen in love with 
a Disney movie since Moana came out, which I think was in like 2017 or 2018. I know we went for our like three year dating anniversary, but I don't know what year that would have been. Um, and I just fell in love with the characters in Encanto. Our main character, Mirabelle, uh, Stephanie Beatrice shows up on this list yet again. Um, Lin-Manuel Miranda does too in in a way because he did a lot of the songs which you can immediately tell he has a very distinct style um but the songs were great the concept was great a friend of mine was telling me before we watched this Peter and I that what she liked about it was that it wasn't this big adventure story everything took place at home and I have to say I did like that too especially with family being the the very main theme I thought that you might want to talk about your favorite characters, um, the village children. Oh yeah, the village children were wild. That one, the one girl was like super high, like high energy. It was ridiculous. What did she say? It is physically impossible to relax. <laughs> I relate to her too. <laughs> What's your favorite song in Encanto? Oh God, I don't remember. Um, probably the probably the the, uh, the the origin or the the first one, the beginning one. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. Um, we don't talk about Bruno is a bop, of course. Yeah. Um, and uh, I love Surface Pressure, Luisa's song. I thought that that was so good. Um, I just love all of the characters. Um, who do you think has the coolest gift? The coolest superpower? It's it's not a superpower. They're all it's superpowers. A, it's a miracle, it's a Peter. <laughs> um, it's a miracle. Each one of them has an ability that only they can do. That's like extra powers. I <laughs> like superpowers. Well, it's my, like the Incredibles, but you know, it's like <laughs> my favorite is Antonio, who gets his gift during the movie. Oh, I the, feel like the, he the, has the talk to animals one. Yeah, he has the coolest gift, and he gets the coolest room. I think because of that. Not that we get to see everyone's room, but no. it's definitely cooler than Bruno's room. But I don't. Bruno had a pretty cool room. You want to walk up all those stairs? No, it <laughs> sounds awful. But like it was cool looking. Like you know, it's like she stepped into a mountain range with the whole like mystical aspect to it. It's pretty neat. Um, but uh, I don't know. I think her mom's superpower of like healing people with food mm-hmm. was pretty cool. That was cool. That's some D and D stuff right there. Like there's a spell called Goodberry where you create up to eight berries in your hand, depending on how many little sprigs of holly you have, and you feed them to your friends, and every one of the berries heals them. And it also makes them fully sated for their water and food requirements for the day. And that just kind of reminded me, you know, her power reminded me of that. But I thought it was really neat. I was like, yeah. Oh, do you broke his arm? Here, have this kolache, basically. Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fine. I just loved it so much. I wanted to rewatch it the second it was over. I thought about doing it the next day when Peter wasn't home to judge me. Um, I didn't, but I want to soon. I just, last year we watched Luca, we watched Soul, we watched Ryan the Last Dragon, and all of those were really good, but they just did not captivate me like this one did. And I was actually starting to worry if maybe I had like almost outgrown, like being able to be excited about new Disney movies, but mm-hmm. Encanto has, has proved that wrong. I'm still so excited about it. But was Encanto better or worse 
then the the Mexican one, the Oh, Coco. Coco. Peter Coco. watched Coco for Coco. the first time last year. <laughs> um, I feel like they're pretty even. I liked Coco more. Coco has a more emotional appeal. Yeah. I feel like you get more like emotionally attached. I I really like Day of the Dead stuff too. Like that was like the one thing I took away from my multiple Spanish classes in undergrad was uh was an enjoyment of like just the sugar sugar skull like Galacas and uh, that's that thing was really cool. Yeah. I liked it. I liked the movie a lot. I feel like that one they're they're both really good, but I feel like that one is definitely like a more emotional connection, and Encanto is a little more fun. So it depends on what you're looking for. Un poco loco is a bop. It though. is a bop. <laughs> <laughs> The last movie we watched in January was... X-Men. We watched X-Men, and we both rated it memorable. I was surprised by how much I liked it. Yeah, I mean, the the first, like... We're talking, like, the original X-Men movie. The X-Men movie that sort of uh, catapulted us back into wanting to watch superhero movies in the first place, because for the longest time before that, it was just kind of like, bleh. <laughs> Not us. No, I, I'm talking about us as a nation. Okay, thank you. <laughs> yeah, not, not personally us. <laughs> no, this movie came out in 2000, and uh, I think Autumn was about three when that when that happened. Maybe less even. Depends I, on I would one. be three. Depends on yeah. the time of year. Yeah. You'd only be like five. So. Yeah. <laughs> Are I you still, watching I it? I'm pretty sure I watched that movie, um, not in theaters, but I would have seen it in DVD whenever okay. it came out. Or, wow. I, actually, was it VHS back in 2000? Probably VHS back in 2000. I don't really <laughs> okay, remember. Okay, we don't DVD need to go there. <laughs> That's too technical. <laughs> but no, this movie holds up really well, actually. Um, we we had watched Sam Raimi's Spider-Man, like the first Spider-Man movie, last year. And I think that came out in 2003. I could be a little bit wrong on that. But Autumn didn't really like it, um, probably in part because it looked so dated. Was, would that be... Yeah, and I think a big part of it is that he's not my spider-man mm, you know like yeah, i fair. for for you like is that the first spider-man you ever saw yeah of course so so he in a sense is like your spider-man like your first spider-man you know mm-hmm. uh, tom holland is my spider-man because yeah. i never watched any other ones so it's weird to see somebody else playing him and i just feel like tom holland is like the the perfect spider-man because he's got that just like boyish innocence about him yeah in the enough. role yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the uh, I know that not everyone likes um, some of the original X Men movies. People, people, I mean, based on the reviews online, people do like the first one and they like X two. Um, X three gets a little further away from what people I think wanted and liked the, from the first two. Um, there's a little, maybe too many mutants for some people to follow, and the story is a little more brutal. Um, but I really like this movie. I really like X-Men. I sort of grew up, um, like, my mom had VHS recordings of the 90s TV show that we would watch occasionally. Um, I remember we were at my grandparents' house. I love them so much. And those, those, I mean, you can find it on uh, Disney Plus, I think, if you wanted to watch the old 90s X-Men. It's so good. It's so cheesy, but it's also, like, it's cool because it's got all the X-Men in it because, you know, cartoon animation means that you can very easily bring in every character you wanted to, you know, you're not like stuck to a specific amount of, can we do that reasonably via VFX or do we have to like, uh, be a little more careful with how their powers work out? Cause it's a cartoon. You can draw it. You just draw it out. You know, it works. It works fine. 
But yeah, no, I this is a great movie. Um, you know, Patrick Stewart knocks it out of the park as Professor X. He really does. Yeah, and Hugh Jackman like kills it as Wolverine. Like this is the first role that I saw him in, really. Um, and I just, I mean, I love him. I think he's perfect. And they, they even have his hair sort of curled up like Wolverine's yeah. hair is in the comics. Um, but I mean, he he's and he is great. Like he really he really does a good job of being Wolverine, even though he's some Australian dude. <laughs> doing an american accent and you can there are several small points in that movie where when he he says something and you're like that's an australian man who's mm-hmm. pretending to be american it's not just some australian man but he's <laughs> you jack okay i know you like you jack i'm sorry but but like there, there's only a few lines where you can kind of see it and he gets much better like later on because he's more practiced at being you know at, at doing the american accent he's done it for longer um, I honestly wouldn't really complain about it. It was just, there's like one or two responses he gave where I was like, I heard the twang in there, the Australian. Oh, you must like, have been twang. looking for it. Cause... I did. I, I was specifically looking for it in this movie because I commented something about, you know, you really can't tell he's Australian. And I was like, wait a minute. I need to make sure I can back that up actually by listening to him. But uh, yeah, no, he's great. Um, I didn't realize you like John Marsden so much. I think it's James. James Mars, James Marsden. That's sorry. <laughs> I'm thinking of Fred Dead Redemption. Yeah. John Marsden. No, I do. I do um. really like him. He's one of those actors that, like, I don't. If you were to like ask me some of my favorite actors, he would not like pop into my head. But yeah. anytime I see him in something, I'm like, oh, I really like him. So it was fun to see him as Cyclops. Yeah. Cyclops and Storm were my favorite, and I think if I had to put, pick between the two of them, I like Storm the best. Yeah. Um. Just because it is, it is always great to, as a woman, to like see such a great, well-rounded, like female superhero who yeah. has like just really cool ass powers. Mm-hmm. Um, so Storm's like one of the cooler female heroes I've She's I've seen, really cool. I think. So I really did like her. I also loved the school concept. Yeah. As someone who just like loves any sort of like magic school or spy school or any any sort of setting where you have students learning about magic or other mm-hmm. otherworldly things it's so cool to like have all these mutants in this school in this one place together i really enjoyed that aspect as yeah. well yeah and in the next two we're gonna get when, when we finally watch that which will be probably pretty soon you'll get to see more of some of the students and like their whole shtick because i mean if you're familiar with the comics a lot of the a lot of the kids that are students um are x-men in some of the comics particularly Iceman. he's the one i can think of that's oh, like yeah. one of the more like yeah He's Iceman. He, like, <laughs> he is essentially, I mean, like, he's the original Frozone, basically, from The Incredibles. He, like, slings ice <laughs> and, like, the second time surfs around. The Incredibles. Yeah, man, it's The Incredibles, you know? <laughs> what, what can you say? But, uh, yeah, no, he, he'll, he'll, like, sling pathways out of ice and, like, slide around and, like, you know, okay. freeze things and stuff like that. Um, they basically, they base Frozone off of Iceman, essentially. But, um, yeah, no, it's, it's, so, it's so good, um, and I can't wait to show you some more of it because... It really held like up it. well. It really um, did hold up well. Some characters aren't in it. I'm pretty sure you don't have Beast in the uh, in these ones. I'm pretty sure you have to wait till first class to see Beast um, as one of the characters, uh, which is too bad because I do like Beast. He's a really interesting interesting character. But yeah, no, it's, it's really good, and I can't wait to show you more. Yeah, so those are all of the 10 movies that we watched in January. Like we mentioned earlier, we typically watch two a week. Every once in a while, we watch one with a friend or we just are feeling movies and we watch a little bit more. So we'll be excited to get more in depth in future episodes. Thank you for listening to this little introduction.
Yeah, we'll, we'll see you guys next time.